0: Well, I'm not going to give you many details about the story. I'm just not going to tell you that about what went on in my life at that time. Other other than to say I had come to kind of an intersection in life. I'd come to kind of a a milestone. I guess that's a better word. A a place of of celebration. And and it seemed like a place where it should be recognized and, and appreciated. I I feel kind of funny almost saying that. I feel like I'm saying, you know, hey, it's all about me. The limelight should be on me. It sounds kind of prideful. Sounds kind of self-centered. But it it was just a place that, you know, you anticipate that that's where that's recognized. That's where that's acknowledged. and, And it wasn't. It wasn't acknowledged, it wasn't recognized, and, and it hurt. I'm, I'm being honest there, it, it bothered me. I don't, I don't like saying it bothered me. You know, our reward comes in heaven, and we don't do things for the approval of man, but for the approval of God. I, I know that, it still hurt. I, I still think somebody should have acknowledged that, somebody should have appreciated that, but, but that didn't happen. And I was hurt for a while. After about a month, the, the hurt kind of rolled over into anger. Because I found out very specifically that that my not being acknowledged was not an oversight or a mistake. There was no intention to acknowledge. So now I'm hurt. Now I'm angry. And you know what? I got over it. I did get over it. I still have a very positive relationship with that situation, that person, persons. It's, it's really, it's done, it's over, it's not really a big deal for me at all anymore. But when I, when I look back on that, if I stop and think about it like I am right now, maybe I should just stop thinking about it. But when I, when I look back and I remember that, and this is, this is years ago, I can think about it and I can feel that feeling again. I can feel that emotion of being unacknowledged. Uh, of being unappreciated. Like I said, and I mean it, I, it's a little bit embarrassing to say that. You know, we, we, we just don't do that. Don't draw attention to yourself. But I guess the reason I feel somewhat comfortable in sharing that in front of everybody is because every one of you's had the exact same feeling. Every, you've been somewhere, some situation in life where you felt like somebody ought to acknowledge this. Now, it's kind of funny, like I said, to be talking about this, because I really do think our bigger problem is that most of us want to be over-acknowledged. <laughs> we, we really do want to be the center of the, of the attention. We really do want the limelight. And I really do think that is a bigger problem. But there are times and places where I think it's, it's very natural to expect that, that somebody's going to acknowledge, somebody's going to appreciate I mean, gosh, sometimes even in our own marriage, we think, gosh, you know, my my mate should acknowledge, should appreciate what I'm trying to be and do. Or, Or maybe we don't feel like our kids recognize the sacrifice that we make as parents. And I bet every now and then the kids are thinking, I wish mom and dad would recognize how hard I'm trying. Maybe it's a boss who seems to like more often give credit to the wrong person. Or even better, they take credit for what you did. Or maybe it's a coach that seems to always acknowledge one person's contribution to the team, but then never get around to acknowledging your contribution to the team. Why did you know this can even happen in church? Yeah, I mean, we're a whole body of people that sacrifice and give and, and serve, and sometimes that's not always acknowledged. Do you, do you remember what that feeling was like? I do. you remember what that feeling was like to be unappreciated? To be unacknowledged? I just want you to feel that emotion for a moment. Just for a moment. Don't get stuck there. Some of us don't get over it. My message this morning is about the most unappreciated person that's ever walked on this planet. And it's not you. The most unappreciated person to ever walk on this earth is Jesus Christ. Christ. Most unappreciated person. People looked right at him. People saw him. They didn't fall down and worship him. Most didn't even, most, most didn't even acknowledge who he is. What have you done? And that's still true today, isn't it? And it's true in this room. I'm not talking about the big bad world that doesn't believe in Jesus. I'm talking about you and me who have the ability to under-acknowledge, under-appreciate Jesus Christ. We're continuing today in our series on what is. We're looking at 20 questions, all beginning with that phrase, what is. And right now we're taking four sermons to look at this question, what is God the Son? Last week we looked at His preexistence and His prophecies. Next we're going to be looking at His death and resurrection. But today I want to look at the humanity and the deity of Jesus Christ. Our series really is not focused on historical theology, how beliefs unfold and and how different denominations or cults or different ways of thinking get started. But a lot of different things have got started on this whole concept of His humanity and deity. And great mistakes are made in affirming only His deity, but not His humanity. And great mistakes are made in affirming only His humanity and not His deity. The Scripture teaches that Jesus Christ is the very unique God-man. He is 100% God and He is 100% man. To begin our study this morning, I want to start with a Christmas passage. Now, I'm probably not thinking of the one you are. I'm thinking of one in Philippians chapter 2. You know, Matthew and Mark and and Luke, they tell us what was going on in the world when Jesus entered. That's where we see that stuff about shepherds and angels and a manger. I want to look at what was going on inside of Jesus when He entered this world. So if you would, turn with me this morning to to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. If you don't have a, a Bible with you, we've got one in the chairs in front of you. If it's not right in front of you, you probably can point to one down the row somewhere. I know somebody will hand it to you, but we want everybody to be able to read along, study along with us as we look at God's Word. Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians comes right after Galatians and Ephesians. It's right before Colossians, Thessalonians. You see those houses, you're in the neighborhood. All right, we're getting in on it. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 5. It says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. What a command. Praise the Lord, that's not what our sermon's on today. That's a hard one. You're to think and to act. You're to have the same emotion and feeling as Jesus Christ. Wow, that's a big one, isn't it? Make this your own attitude, that of Christ Jesus, who, verse 6, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. And remember, I'm supposed to have the same mindset as Jesus. How many things have you used for your advantage? How many things have you used to push your life, to get yourself ahead? Jesus didn't use his deity to push himself ahead. Instead, instead of pushing his agenda, instead of pushing himself, instead, verse 7, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Our passage here today very clearly shows us that Jesus Christ is God. Very clearly shows us that Jesus Christ is man. He is both. And what we want to do today is focus and understand how the Scripture teaches that. It also refers to this emptying. We're going to look at that emptying in just a moment. What does it mean that Jesus emptied himself? We're going to look at that, but first of all, I want us to see this deity and this humanity and how the scripture teaches both. You see there in verse 6, it says, Jesus, who existing in the form of God. Now, it, it refers to his preexistence. Well, I didn't use this verse last week, but this verse could have gone in last week's Sermon. He was existing before Bethlehem. He was existing in the form of God. That that word form, it means to be the true and exact nature. In other words, what it's saying here is Jesus is the true and exact nature of God. And he is equal with God. Now think about that. He is the true and exact nature of God. He is God and he is equal. With God. He is, but also equal to, a reference to that relationship we've looked at inside the Trinity. Now, what I want us to see is a a couple of places where it clearly points to the deity of Jesus Christ. I want us to see the Scripture claim and display His deity. The Scripture is saying here that Jesus Christ is God. Let's look at this. I've got a list here of the claims and displays of Jesus. He and the Father are one. They're one being. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is omnipresent. Jesus has power over demons. A demon never thwarted Jesus. A demon never fought or beat Jesus. He always, the demon, always obeyed Jesus. Jesus had power over nature. Remember, he walked on the water. He just spoke and the storm stopped. He changed the water into wine. He had power over nature. Jesus is all knowing. He knew what was going on in the hearts and minds of people without them even speaking. Jesus has the ability to judge and to give life. Now folks, that's not an exhaustive list. Boy, there's all of the places it shows that Jesus claimed to be God or, or was like God. That's not an exhaustive list. That's just giving us a running start. It's just to help us to see that Jesus did things that only God could do. Jesus was things that only God could be. Jesus Christ was fully God. The Scriptures say that over and over and over. Let me show you this next verse or this next phrase. This kind of picks up from where we left off last week. And I want you to see this. The deity of Christ, the Scriptures show us the deity of Christ before Bethlehem. You remember that from last week, right? It shows us the deity of Christ during his life, during his earthly ministry. That's what a lot of that list was that we just looked at. And the scripture shows us the deity of Christ after his death and resurrection. Jesus was, Jesus is, Jesus always will be God. Do you see that? He is God. Now a lot of us know that. We believe that's why we're here this morning. Jesus is God. I'm going to go to church and worship. But the Scripture also clearly teaches us that Jesus is man. In verse 7 here, it says, "...He emptied Himself, taking on the likeness of men." Jesus is just like a man. He grew like a man. He developed like a man. He, he entered this world the exact same way that you and I enter this world. It was a normal process of growth and development. He didn't arrive here as a 30-year-old. He didn't arrive here with a halo over his head. and He didn't walk six inches above the ground. He was a, a man. He lived just like you and I. Now, the only difference between him and us is, obviously, you remember, he entered the world a little bit differently than we do he came through that virgin birth, and the, the virgin birth enabled him to enter this world without a sin nature. Now, you know, if you stop and do the math on that, okay, what part of the equation was removed so that Jesus didn't have a sin nature? Well, that'd be the, the, the earthly father, right? So apparently, dads, the part of the spiritual DNA that we pass off to the kids is the sin nature. And all the moms said, Amen. I mean, you ladies knew it. You knew that there was anything wrong with your child. It was from his side of the family. Well, apparently there might be some spiritual truth to that. (laughs) Let's look now at the Scripture showing us the claims and the display of his humanity. Let's look at this next chart. Jesus' claims and displays of humanity. He experienced a normal growth process with age. He developed like, like all of the rest of us. He grew up, and everything that's involved with growing up, he would have experienced. He would have been through a lot of interesting writing about whether Jesus did miracles as a child, whether he used his deity, you know, to take care of the bully at school, or you know, did he show that he was God as a seven-year-old, as a nineteen-year-old? Well, folks, I think we can pretty definitively say absolutely not. John chapter two, if you read that chapter, it shows the first. Did you hear that word? The first miracle. Of Jesus. It wouldn't say it was the first if He had done a miracle at 19, if He had done a miracle at 7. It says it was the first time that He displayed His glory. So no, there was not prior to that moment when He was approximately the age of 30, there was not a place where He displayed that He was deity. But rather, during that time, he was growing and developing. Like a human, Jesus got tired. Like a human, he got hungry and thirsty. As a child, he yielded to his parents' authority. Uh, He experienced a whole range of emotions, including grief. You know, the one time we see Jesus weeping, or the shortest verse, you remember Jesus wept in the Bible? He's weeping at the loss of a friend. You know, I appreciate the Scriptures showing us that verse. Because it reminds us, it's not a lack of faith to hurt. I mean, who knows better what happens after death than Jesus? Who knows better? Who has more faith in the Father than the Son? And yet, as He dealt with the loss of a friend, He wept. It hurts. He's showing us His humanness. He had a physical body, and I think this is important to note, He had a physical body before and after His resurrection. As I said, the goal of this series isn't really looking at historical theology, how how beliefs have developed over history, but there's a lot of wrong teaching about the the body of Christ and treating Him as almost some kind of spirit being, some kind of ghost. Uh, The Scripture shows us He had a physical body, a body just like you and I had both before and after His resurrection. He was like us in every way except that He did not sin. Now, there are two reasons. Go to this next one. As a matter of fact, I say there's two. See the word two up there? There's not really just two. There's two reasons I want to highlight today. There's two reasons it's very important we understand the full and total humanity of Jesus Christ. And I I say reasons, I've just got verses listed there, but notice these two verses. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. That's the key word. We don't have a high priest who can't understand where we are, what we've been through, what's happened to us. Because Jesus, the one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Do You know what Jesus putting on humanity enables Him to do? Or rather, it enables us not to do? You and I can never look at God and say, you don't understand. You, you don't know what it's like to be me. You don't know what it's like to be a human. Now folks, I believe based on the attributes of God that we've already studied, that God's knowledge is perfect. I don't believe God had to put on human flesh to understand us. But He did put on that flesh. He did walk through it. Every test, every trial, every temptation in kind. Folks, there's nothing you've experienced in life that Christ didn't experience, that He didn't deal with also. And He walked through every bit of that without sin. You know, this fourth message on, the, on God the Son, we're going to look at what's He doing right now. And, and one of the things that He is doing right now is He's praying for you. Man, think of that. Jesus knows what I'm feeling. He knows what it's like to be there. He knows what it's like to go through that. He knows what it's like to be unappreciated. He knows what it's like to be unacknowledged. So who better to stand before the Father and pray for me then Jesus Christ the Son. We're going to be looking at that in a couple of weeks. He prays for us. Jesus sympathizes with us. Could you bring that, that chart back one more time? i got one more verse there. The second reason that it's important that we see the humanity of Jesus comes out of Hebrews. Are we going to get that chart back? Hebrews ten twelve. But this man... Do you see that word? But this man, after offering once a sacrifice for sins forever... Set down at the right hand of God. You know why it's important to see his humanity? Because as a man, he can die. As a man, he can bleed. As a man, he can suffer. And ultimately, folks, as a man, he can stand in the spot that you and I were to stand in as a man and pay the penalty for our sin. As a God, that payment can touch everyone everywhere for all time so it's very important that we understand the humanity the scripture affirms completely the deity of christ the scripture affirms completely the humanity of christ now as we bring these two together and that's kind of what philippians chapter 2 is showing us here it talks about jesus emptying it says he said instead he emptied himself by assuming the form the likeness of a man what does that mean some have wrongly taught that Jesus emptied himself of deity, that, that he stopped being God, that, that he emptied himself of his powers. Well, that, that's impossible to understand that way because that would contradict the rest of the Gospels. Those passages we just saw where he spoke to demons and they obeyed, when he walked on water, when he stilled the storm, when he knew what people were thinking, when he knew where they had been, where he knew everything about their lives... No, Jesus clearly displayed attributes, powers of deity during his walk on this earth. So he didn't empty himself of being God. What he emptied himself of was the appearance that would bring him glory. The appearance that would lead you and I to acknowledge and to appreciate him for who he is. Folks, can you imagine this? Jesus walking through the marketplace, or we'll say a mall. Okay, kind of get it in our our day. Jesus is walking down through the mall, and, and let, let, let's put it around Christmas time. It's busy. It's packed. And he's walking by people, and maybe, maybe some, you know, kind of, hey, maybe some smile. But what are most going to do? What do most do to you in the mall? Just blow right by you. You're a stranger. You're of no value to me. You're of no account to me. I'm, I'm here for my purposes, my reasons. I've got to get the shopping done. I'm going to be out here in about three minutes. I'm just blowing right on by you. Folks, Jesus was walking through this world and that's what He got. A few people nodded. Maybe smiled and said hello, but they blew right on by Him because He was of no account to them. He's God! He created that person who just walked right by Him. He's going to judge that person who just walked right on by Him. And we didn't even acknowledge it. We didn't give Him any account at all. I like the way Isaiah 53 explains this. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to read this real quickly. But Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 3, listen to this. He grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form. Jesus had no form. By the way, this is being written 700 years before Jesus walked on the earth. Jesus had no form or splendor that we should look at him. There was no appearance that we should desire him. There was nothing in his appearance that would draw us to him. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like one people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. We placed no value on him. The emptying that that Paul is talking about here in Philippians chapter 2 is a humiliation that Jesus willingly took on so that we would place no value on Him. Folks, when we saw Jesus Christ, we should have fallen down and worshipped Him. We should have immediately said, My life is yours and it's given to, to the devotion of you, to the service of you. But we walked on by and paid Him no attention. Even worse, we rejected and despised Him. You said, well, wait, wait a minute. You're talking about the people in the New Testament days, right? I mean, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't despise and reject Jesus. You sure? Sure you've always placed great value on Him? Your life always communicates the value that He has in your life? I think probably not. Gosh, folks, even, even sometimes when we gather to worship, I mean, what's worship? Worship is expressing the worth. Even sometimes when we gather to worship, we, we look like we're too tired to be there, like it's somewhat of a drain. Hey, imagine this You're at, we're, we're celebrating you. That's kind of what worship is, isn't it? All your friends, we're family, we're at your house, but it's your birthday. Okay, we're at your birthday, we're celebrating you, and, and it comes time to sing, happy birthday to you. And, I, and I'm there, because that's what makes you feel most important, is if I was there at your birthday party. And, and so everybody comes, they start to sing, and, and when they sing, you see me leaning over there against the chair like this. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. would you be okay with that i mean it's kind of funny but seriously folks if we're at your house and we're celebrating you and i look like it's just torture to be there doesn't that kind of say how i value you and the celebration of you in that moment i probably at the very minimum you're going to come up is is everything okay Is, is something is something wrong what I'm saying is, man, you look like you don't like me. What's wrong? There must be, what, 40, 50 million people that are in a church this morning. I wonder how many of that 40, 50 million people are actually expressing the value that Christ has in their life. What value are we placing on Him when He sends us? We're sent. Sends us into the world to tell people that we belong to Him. To tell people what He means to us. But you know what? I'm a little concerned about my reputation and I don't want know what I want people to think that way about me. I, and so we downplay our faith. What does that say about the value that we place in Christ? When we downplay. And I'm, I'm going to step on a limb and say every single person in this room has downplayed their faith. So what does that say to Christ about the value, the appreciation we have of him? What does it say about the value that we have to Christ? Go back to the beginning. Remember what it feels like to be unappreciated? What is that? What do you think Christ feels when you and I can walk through an entire day and not a single time acknowledge his existence? Not a single time give thanks to him, not a single time praise him. And I would dare say most of us probably had at least one day like that in the last seven. Just busy day i woke up tired i was running from the get-go and boom i'm back in bed and asleep and they didn't think once about him what does that say see folks we're really not any different from these folks in the new testament that are blowing right by him and giving no value to his life you know we don't have to guess okay jesus is hundred percent god and a hundred percent man so so okay that's our belief we don't have to guess how we're to respond to that we don't have to guess what that means to our life. Folks, this is a lot bigger issue than what we affirm with our brain. This is a lot bigger issue than what we affirm with our mind. God has told us exactly what it is to look like in our lives when we hold to this faith, this belief that Jesus is the God-man. He said it right there in Philippians 2.9. Let me read it again. He said, for this reason. For what reason? For the reason that Jesus Christ is fully God. For the reason that He is fully man. And He humbled Himself to the point that He died for you. For this reason, God highly exalted Him. And gave Him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, your knee should bow. That at the name of Jesus, your tongue should confess. Folks, our lives are to exalt one person, one thing. Our lives are to exalt Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. That means my life and my actions, my, my life is to bow before him. My words are to confess him. Do you see now why I'm saying, folks, yes, in form, and ritual, we're in church, in religion. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he's the Lord of all lords. I, I confess that with my, with my mouth. You know, actually, that's where it starts. Folks, I'm not talking about what we believe. I'm talking about how that belief shows up in how we live. Because you see, as I understand this passage, what it's saying to me is that the constant stance of my life is this right here. And so somebody hurts me, somebody offends me, somebody makes me mad. But you know what? Jesus looks at me and says, Randy, I I want you to forgive him. I'm not, I'm not forgiving him. Have you ever tried to pick a fight on your knees? Do you see why it's important we bow the knee? See, down here you don't make demands, do you? Down here you don't pick a fight. See, the only thing I can do down here when God tells me to forgive that person? Yes, my Lord. God says, Ray, I want you to give to God what belongs to God. God, have you seen the economy? God, you know what I'm trying to... Yes, my Lord. Rennie, I want you to go into your world. Stop being ashamed of me. It actually says that in Romans 1.16. Stop being ashamed at who you belong to. Stop being ashamed to mention the name of Jesus. Yes, my Lord. Rennie, I want you in the church, not just sitting in a chair. I want you in it. I want you among those people. I want you loving. I want you serving. I want you taking the gifts and the abilities and the life that I've given you and use it to advance my kingdom, to grow my church. Yes, my Lord. Folks, Jesus Christ being 100% God and 100% man, that's not just a sentence we say, yeah, that's our belief. It determines the entire stance of our life. I am a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only right you have tomorrow morning is to get on your knees and say, Yes, my Lord. Let's pray.